Good morning. Please take your Bibles and turn with me this morning to 2 Chronicles chapter 28. 2 Chronicles 28. We have a lot of history that we learned about last week, this week, and we'll learn about next week where we have to flip back and forth all through our Bibles because some of the history is found in 2 Kings, and some of the history is found in 2 Chronicles, and some of the history is found in Isaiah. And in fact, sometimes you may have noticed we'll find double records between Kings and Chronicles or sometimes between the prophets. But on the particular accounts we're learning with King Ahaz, for the most part, and if you want the whole story, you have to check all the books because they don't repeat each other. And in fact, if you were to just casually look at them, you might get the idea that they contradicted each other. But they don't because they're just giving more detail and expanded detail that is one part recorded one part and another part recorded another part, and it's a whole stream of things that are taking place. And so, most of the events that we're going to look at today occur in 2 Chronicles. But before we jump into 2 Chronicles, I want to review what we learned last week in Isaiah, because Isaiah sets the stage for what we learn about today. But before we do that, let us pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word this morning, and we pray that you will help us and teach us Lord, I pray that we would learn important lessons today, that we would learn to know you, to know your truth, that we would abide in your spirit, and that we would be bold and courageous for truth and righteousness. Help us to learn from those who failed in history, and help us to learn from those who did that which was right. Be with us now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I need some helpers. You all remember last week we had two kings, the king of Israel and the king of Syria. Well, my two helpers last week aren't here this morning, so who would like to be my two smoking firebrands? Nobody wants to be them? I'm going to have to just start picking. Owen, come on up here. Owen's one. And let's see here. Charlie, you come be the second. All right, you guys are the smoking firebrands. Now, do you guys, you both weren't here last week, were you? You guys um, happen to remember why you're called smoking firebrands? Do you remember? What happens to this? You see this here? This used to be in a fire, right? But um, what happened when it got pulled out of the fire and was all by itself without any other wood? It went out, right? Smoked for a little while and went out. So perhaps when it first came out of the fire, this would have been scary, right? Is it scary anymore? Not unless you're afraid of getting dirty or getting hit. But it's not the scary, hot firebrand. And that's exactly what Isaiah said these two guys were because there was another king. And I forget, who played for me Ahaz last week? Who played for me, Ahaz? Was it you? Yes, come on up here. We have King Ahaz. You see you guys? This king here, 
He is scared, scared, scared of you guys. He shakes and he trembles like the trees do when the winds blow through them. That's him. Can you do that? Yeah, he's scared. Scared of you guys. But you remember there was another guy who came into this picture. Let's look here. At um, Could we get the screen turned on, please? There we go. You see Isaiah? Here's where these guys fall on the timeline. The guy here in the red crown is Pekah. He's king of Israel, also referred to, by the way, as Ephraim. And here down here, we have Ahaz. That's that guy over there with the gold crown, Ahaz. And this guy, he's not on the timeline, but he's the king of Syria. And then there's one other important key figure in this timeline, and he's, his name is Blinking. Who's he? Who? Isaiah. That's right. Remember, I was Isaiah last week. Well, while that guy is shaking in fear of Risen of Syria and Pekah of Israel, Isaiah came to him along with his son and had a message for him. But before we go into Isaiah, let me ask some more questions about Ahaz over there. Was Ahaz a good king or a bad king? Do you remember? Is he a good king or a bad king? Bad king. Yeah, bad king. The worst king Judah has had thus far. In fact, I'm of the opinion he's the worst total. The worst king Judah has had yet. King Ahaz. If you look there in 2 Chronicles 28, you see a summary of him. He became king when he was 20 years old. He reigned for 16 years in Jerusalem, but he did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord, like David his father. For he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel and made also molten images for Balaam. Moreover, he burnt incense in the valley of the son of Hinnom and burnt his children in the fire after the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. He sacrificed also and burnt incense in the high places and on the hills and under every green tree. <clears throat> he was a wicked king. And God stirred up the anger of Pekah, king of Syria, and, or Pekah, king of Israel, and Risen, king of Syria, against him. And they conspired, saying, Let us go up against Judah and vex it, and let us make a breach therein for us and set a king in the midst of it, even the son of Tabiel. Remember last week we talked about that puppet king? That's the one they were going to set up. What well, was in this situation when we have to jump over to Isaiah to find out what happens. Because you remember that Isaiah went to Ahaz, who was terrified of these two guys. And you were told they were just smoking firebrands and not to be afraid of them. And he was given this sign. My son, that's my son's name, Isaiah's son's name, Shirajashab, which means a remnant shall return. You know, that's a promise. That's, that's good news, isn't it? But it also implies some bad news. For some time later, Isaiah returned again 
to Ahaz with his second son who had been born. Imagine having that name, Mahasher Shalahashbaz, which means haste the booty, haste the spoil. Now, you guys might like that name. That means that it's going to happen fast, and you're going to have booty and spoil. That's riches and wealth from war. Mm, Not good news for you. But in the midst of this, you remember, you remember that in Isaiah chapter 7, Isaiah went down through warning Ahaz about all of this. And there in Isaiah chapter 7, in verse 9, after recounting all of this situation, he told him this, If ye will not believe, surely ye shall not be established. So let me ask you the question. Did he believe? No, he didn't. Whether it was the same exact campaign or a campaign later, some things happened dreadfully. I mean, Isaiah had promised you and told you that these these two guys are smoking firebrands, meaning they're just going to go out. They're not going to be this hot stuff. They're not going to be this scary, burning fire. They're just going to go out be gone. In fact, in Isaiah 7, 7, it says, Thus saith the Lord God, it shall not stand, neither shall it come to pass. And so it's implied that this first campaign here fizzled out, literally fizzled out. But Ahaz still didn't believe. Ahaz still did not believe. Even though Isaiah had gone through and told and promised of a time when the lamb would lay down with the wolf, when the lion and the lamb would dwell together, not in terror or dread. When we see this picture, that's scary. But imagine a time when every child will think this is perfectly normal to play with an asp that's no longer deadly. No longer deadly. Or we'll play at the den, the home of a cockatrice, a viper, uh, 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 um, yeah, viper. Imagine that. That's what you've been told about. Wow! That's like really exciting. Or Imagine a time when there is such peace that the, the cows, the lions, the cheetahs, the goats, the sheep, they, they all live together in perfect peace and harmony, and a little child leads them. That's the promise that's been told you. Oh, isn't this wonderful? Isn't this a wonderful, wonderful promise? I have some news for you. This will happen when the king of kings sits on the throne in Jerusalem. This will happen when the creator sits as king 
in Jerusalem, who, by the way, has also been revealed to you. Do you remember? As a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name what? Emmanuel. God with us. When God himself reigns in Jerusalem, these things will be so. So how is it happening in your kingdom? You know, what Isaiah is basically telling Ahaz is not that these things are going to happen when he's king. But there's a small way in which they could be fulfilled if he would believe. If he would believe what God has said. Because Isaiah said in chapter 7, verse 9, that if you will not believe, ye shall not be established. You won't get this. Instead, you'll get this. No, this isn't, this isn't the, the child leading the lions and the lambs. This is soldiers leading women and children away as captives from their homes. Will you believe? Will he believe? Well, you're going to disappear for a moment. You can sit down. Now, whether or not this is the same campaign or not, I don't know. But you know, you've got a really good friend. Um, his name is Zikri. Where's Zikri? Where's Zikri? Yeah, right there. Back there is Zikri. The mighty man of Ephraim. You see him back there? He's one of your guys. And in fact, you have a whole army. Now, you risen. I don't know what happens to you. So, bye-bye. You just disappear for a time. Not forever, but for a time. You can go sit down. Don't forget him, though. I hope that this, this, this Bible hour today and last week will help you. Because that guy is referred to all through the book of Isaiah. And if you don't know who he is then you'll be reading Isaiah like, you'll think Isaiah is a really hard book because you don't understand it. But when you know who Risen is and who Pekah is, or the son of Rimaliah is, that's, this is the son of Rimaliah, then things piece together for you. So here now we, we have you, and you have Zikri. Where's Zikri? Zikri? Where's Zikri? Oh yeah, here's Zikri. Yeah, he's one of your mighty men. He's one of your mighty men. Now, he's going to keep carrying this, even though in real battle he didn't carry a, a, a burned-out firebrand. He was a mighty warrior. But I'm going to have him keep carrying it because I don't want you to forget that that's who he is. He's that smoking firebrand. That's what God said he was. Ah, and looky here. He has a mighty man of Ephraim. Yes. Well, you know what happened? You guys, it's recorded here in 2 Chronicles 28.5, wherefore the Lord his God, Ahaz's God, delivered him into the hand of the king of Syria. Oh, I dismissed you too soon. I got him confused. See? Here the king of Syria, but we're not done. They're together. And they smote him. 
and carried a great multitude of them away captives and brought them to Damascus. And he was also delivered into the hand of the king of Israel, who smote him with a great slaughter. So you went back, having smitten Ahaz, carrying away captives to Damascus, and you did too. Not only did you smite the nation, their army, for it tells us that Pekah, that's you, the son of Remaliah, slew in Judah 120,000 in one day. Wow! 120,000 men of Judah were killed in one day. Do you remember what God said to Ahaz through Isaiah the prophet? If ye will not believe, surely ye shall not be established. It's coming true. In fact, it came very close to the king himself because this guy here, he, the mighty man of Ephraim, he slew Mahasiah, the king's son. And Azarkam, the governor of the house, and Akana, that was next to the king. That's pretty close, isn't it? His son, the governor of his house, the steward of his house, and the man next to him. Now, was that man next to him, his, his next to him in advice and counsel, a wise man, or his bodyguard? Could have been either or both. That's pretty close to you. But you got spared. But let's leave the throne room for a moment. You guys go away. Go with him. And let's leave the throne room and, and let's just go into a home in Judah where we find a family. I have a family volunteer to come on up here. You guys want to come on up here? Just here's, here's your home. You guys can just sit here in your living room. Imagine this is, this is your living room. Can you guys imagine this is your living room? Do you guys like being in your living room? Yes. yes. Being at home is a nice, safe place, isn't it, William? Yeah. yeah, you like being at home. It's a nice, comfortable place. It's where you get to kick up your feet. You get to kick your shoes off. And you get to just relax, Right? How many of you do that at home? Boy, some of you live intense lives. <laughs> yeah, that's what we all do at home. We enjoy ourselves at home. I, I, I bet that that's nice, right? That's what home is about. But imagine you went back to this day in Judah and all of a sudden, without warning, your house is invaded by soldiers. Ah! 
Now you're laughing, but this is horrific. For what's happening here now is, ah, This family is now taken and going to be carried away as captives. You don't like that idea, do you, Walter? This is all fake, isn't it? Does this guy have a wallet on him? Hang on, we need to get all their stuff. Anything else they got we like? Oh, yes. And so, you know what they do? They carry them away. Captives. Now, here you see just, just one family. Hey, you going to take their stuff and go with them? One family being carried carried away captive. Nobody else. But look with me here at the record. For it tells us that the children of Israel carried away captive. You guys keep going. Of their brethren... Do you see this in verse 8? 200,000. Not 200. 200,000. Notice what it says here. Women, sons, and daughters. Who's missing? The men. I don't know why. Perhaps because the men had been slaughtered on the battlefield or had been killed defending their own family, fighting to the death to save their family. Why? Because in these days when people were carried away captives, if what really happened on this day we reenacted here, we couldn't. It would be a horror show. It's indescribable what they would do to their captives. Horrors of horrors. Two hundred thousand women Sons and daughters are carried away captive. They took also away much spoil from them, and they brought the spoil to Samaria. Now, I'd like us to go to Samaria. I'd like to introduce you to some men. Here's one. His name is Oded. Oded, come. He's a prophet at Samaria. Let me introduce you to some other men. We have Azariah. And we have 
Berechiah. And let's see, Jehezekiah. Can you come beat Jehezekiah? And Amasa. We, we've got some men here. These heads of the children of Ephraim. Now, your king is Pekah, isn't he? And Pekah has gone down to Judah, vexed them, and I'm sure news is coming back and has already arrived here in Samaria that what? 120,000 were slain in one day? And that the army is returning to Samaria. But not just the army. The army along with 200,000 captives. I don't know. Do you, how many people sit in the Notre Dame Stadium? 70,000? 70, okay, 70,000 fit in the Notre Dame Stadium. It's a big place, isn't it? Now imagine two and a half Stadiums full of women and children. And an army of I don't know how many moving north from Jerusalem. Imagine that crowd. But you know what? By the time these captives were coming to Jerusalem, to Samaria, many of them were barefoot, and some of them were naked as they had been oppressed, oppressed in the journey north. Now, these five men, a prophet and heads of Ephraim, what do you think of this? Now, normally when we learn about the northern kingdom, it's not a pretty picture, is it? We kind of shudder to think about all the bad things that have happened in this kingdom. Because remember kings like Ahab. Remember him? And others like him. Just corruption and evil. But you remember, there's been some good men up there in Israel. Do you remember this? How many of you remember this? This is a plumb line, isn't it? Plumb line. We use it to check to make sure that as we're building a wall, we're building it straight and plumb. It's not going to topple over. We would use it to check and see if the wall is leaning. And so, you know what you men actually do? Just as Amos, who by the way is a prophet whom all of you would have known, whom all of you would have heard preach at one time or another. He's the man who had this plumb line who called upon you to do and execute righteousness, judgment, according to God's law. So tell me, is what's taking place here and being done by your king plumb with God's law and righteousness? No, it's not. 
See, we've heard a lot about Hosea and Amos. Now we have another prophet, Oded. I wonder how many of you have ever thought of Oded. He's one of those prophets that just kind of shows up and disappears. But when he showed up, it was really important. Really important. You know, do you have your Bibles? Turn with me over to Amos chapter 5. I'm going to remind all of you of something Amos said that likely all of you heard. Amos said, as recorded in chapter 5 and verse 14, seek good and not evil that ye may live. Seek good and not evil that ye may live. And so the Lord, the God of hosts, shall be with you as ye have spoken. Hate the evil and love the good and establish judgment in the gate. It may be that the Lord God of hosts will be gracious unto the remnant of Joseph. That's you all. Heads of Ephraim, the remnant of Joseph. Will God be gracious to you? Will you hate evil and love good? Will you, as Amos admonished, establish judgment in the gate? Do you know what that means? You see, in the gate, in that city, is where the courts were. It's where justice was served. It's where business took place. Will there be judgment in the gate? Will there be righteousness in the gate of Samaria? Well, on the day that these captives were being brought into Samaria with their spoil, And it was here that Oded. Behold, because the Lord God of your fathers was wroth with Judah, he hath delivered them into your hand. And ye have slain them in a rage that reacheth up to heaven. And now ye purpose to keep under the children of Judah and Jerusalem for bondmen and bondwomen unto you? But are there not with you, even with you, sins against the Lord your God? Now hear me, therefore, and deliver the captives again, which you have taken captive of your brethren. For the fierce wrath of the Lord is upon you. Hmm. Then certain of the heads of Ephraim, these men, they stood up against them that came from the war. Remember, there's a whole army. A whole army. Perhaps 100,000 soldiers, along with 200,000 captives. Just imagine three Notre Dame stadiums full of people. And these five men stood up to them, and this is what they said. We shall not bring in the captains hither. For whereas we have offended the Lord already, 
we intend to add more to our sins and to our trespass. For our trespass is great. There is fierce wrath against Israel. And so these five men stand up against an army and say, not happening today. And so the armed men left the captives and the spoil before the princes and all the congregation. And the men which were expressed by name, they rose up and took the captives and with the spoil. Look, see, they're, they're barefoot. Took the spoil. You all oh, get the spoil over there because you, you, you need to clothe them that were naked among them and arrayed them in clothes and shod them. That means put shoes on their feet and you give them food to eat and to drink and you anoint them. That means that you bind up and bandage up and treat their wounds and their hurts. And then you take the feeble of them upon asses. You gather together donkeys and you take in those who can't walk. You put them on asses. And you know what you do? You don't take them to the slave market to sell them. Boy, I imagine. That guy named William over there, he could do some good work. He's valuable, don't you think? We could make some good money off him on the slave market. Oh, Hannah too. But no, you don't take them to the slave market. You know where they take them? Back down to one of the border cities, the city of Jericho. They bring them to Jericho, the city of palm trees, to their brethren. You lead them all down there, and then you return to Samaria. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you all. Let's not forget Oded and these five men expressed by name. You know what we just witnessed in this account? Righteousness. Oh, should I give it back? He did. He knew I was going to do that, and he took his money out of it. What we have just witnessed in this record is righteousness in the face of unrighteousness. Courage in the face of monstrous cruelty. We have witnessed truth in a time of great lies and unbelief. We've witnessed just a small group of men, five, just five, who stood up to a cruel, evil, wicked army and said no. 
it stops right here in the gate. This will not continue. I truly believe that these men understood and remembered what Amos had preached. Look with me again at it. Seek good, Amos said, and not evil, that ye may live. And so the Lord, the God of hosts, shall be with you as ye have spoken. Hate the evil and love the good and establish judgment in the gate. It may be that the Lord God of hosts will be gracious unto the remnant of Joseph. Five men led Ephraim, Samaria, Israel, to love righteousness. And not just to condemn the evil. They didn't just condemn the evil. You notice that. They didn't just say stop. They themselves, as expressed by name, they rose up themselves and they went down into the likely germ-infested captives. Filthy people. Dying people. And clothed them. Put shoes on their feet bandaged up their wounds, anointed them, and made sure they made it to a safe haven where they could rebuild their lives. This is righteousness. This is judgment being established in the gate. You ever feel alone in doing right? If you haven't already, you will. And perhaps the reason you haven't already is because you haven't stood alone for right. Stand alone for right, for truth, for righteousness, for judge justice, even if you stand against an army. Do right. Do right. These men set such an example for us. Amos, in that same chapter, if you look across the page at verse 24, said this, But ye let judgment run down as waters, and righteousness as a mighty stream. That's what's going on here on this day in response to no judgment. Judgment here isn't about giving people, judging people and giving them what they deserve. Judgment's here about doing and judging a matter and doing what's right. This is like the Niagara Falls. You ever seen the pictures of the Niagara Falls or been there? The water gushing over. This is the way judgment needs to be in our land, in our homes, and righteousness is a mighty stream. Because you know, when we are doing what God wants us to do the way God wants us to do, it's compared here to the mighty power of hydropower, the power of water, one of the greatest forces on planet Earth. Few things can withstand its might and force.
when we do what's right in God's strength and in his spirit, it can run down as waters and a mighty stream. So let's do righteous. Let's do what's right. Even if we're all alone or there's only a few of us. Lord Jesus, help us today. Thank you for this record. Just these 15 verses that so many people have looked over because there's hard names and background and details we don't know. Thank you for giving us enough details so that we can know. Thank you for the privilege to be able to search it out and to know and understand the background so that we can understand how right these five men were in what they did. And may we follow in their example and ourselves do right. We need your help, though, Lord, because our courage is very small. We need to do what is right in your strength. May we be strong in the Lord and the power of your might. May we claim the promises made to Joshua and in other places to us, but most detailedly explained to Joshua to be strong and of good courage. Neither be dismayed, for you, our God, are with us. Let us live in that reality, God. Help us from the smallest little boy and girl here this morning to the oldest boy or girl. We need you, and so we humble ourselves under you this day as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all so much. I have a question, though, before we wrap, wrap up. Hey, you. What happened to this guy? If you will not believe... He shall not be established. What's going to happen? We have to turn to one more place before we stop this morning. Isaiah chapter 12. The climax of Isaiah's speech to you. Your Majesty. There is a song of thanksgiving in the great kingdom of the King of Kings. And Isaiah is pleading for this king to sing this song. And the song is, Behold, Isaiah 12, 2, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. We've seen five courageous men at Samaria, heads of Ephraim, do right. Believe God and do right. The news has come to you. Will you heed what Isaiah has told you? Will you heed these truths? Will you, will I, Trust in the Lord. Well, 
Let me give you one little heads up as to what's going to happen when we pick up the narrative next time. Do you know how he sings? Behold, Tiglath-Pilaser, king of Assyria, is my salvation. I will trust in Tiglath-Pilaser and not be afraid. For Tiglath-Pilaser is my strength and my song. Tiglath-Pilaser also is become my salvation. Do you think that sounds like a good song? They don't think it is. But that's where he's at. Let's not make his mistake. Let's follow in the example of Oded and the four heads of Ephraim. Thank you all. We'll meet back here quarter till. Lord bless you.